Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Today we are continuing in on our series that's been entitled Live Generous. And this will be our third week. And we have discussed and engaged in a number of different things. The first topic was having an open heart. Last week we talked about having an open mind and today we're going to look at having open hands. And when it comes to you and I and our Christian lives, God desires that we would work out, that we would live out our faith. If we were to go back, we've been studying throughout the the year, we've been in Philippians at different times throughout the year, but in the book of Philippians in chapter 12, he says, uh, Paul writing, he says, wherefore my beloved As ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, if I were to go back to that sermon that we did a number of months ago, we we discussed that, that those men and those women had served faithfully alongside of Paul and he had done all these things. And then when Paul had left, he was writing back to say, hey, you did it when I was here, now continue to do it, continue to work out, not work for, not the good works of salvation, none of that, but that they would continue to serve, that they would continue to love God and act out their Christian lives. We are all called to do that really what that is 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 us knowing who we are knowing where we stand and and living our lives according to that thing that what to me what should be God's word that we hold true and that we cling on to and that we love God's word and we stand firm on those things and as we continue in the series this morning we, we will continue to go, and, and I pray that it's been an encouragement to you, but each one of these, each week has really kind of taken us to a different place to encourage us to, to act out and to, to live out our faith in a little bit of a different manner. And this morning, it is going to be uh, taking it more action, I guess you could say. We started with having a heart, an open heart, that God, my desire would be to, to know you. My desire would be to, to, to fall deeper in love with you. My desire in having an open heart is that that desire would then reflect in the decisions that I make and, and we can go on through there. From there, we went into last week with having an open mind. Once we've, we've decided that we're going to have an open heart and we're, we're walking down that road and we're serving and we're doing what God has called us to do and we're doing it to the best of our ability, we all often have issues And oftentimes those issues run amok amok in our minds, and our mind begins to to run. I don't know how many of you could say, and I wish we could all raise our hands with this question, but yeah, my mind never runs, and I don't ever worry about things in life. That would be one incredible thing. But it could be a good worry, it can be a bad worry, it could be a number of things, but oftentimes our mind just plays tricks on us and we constantly, we battle those things. And so last week we talked about having an open mind and we looked in Luke as, as, uh, as Jesus was teaching and, and to not worry and to trust and to put our faith in Him and, 
And we ended last week with the statement or the thought of sometimes in the midst of our worry, in the midst of our lives, sometimes we're going to just have to come to the table and wait on Jesus to provide that food. Many times, I don't know how many of you, and I used this analogy last week, I don't know how many of you go to the dinner table with no food there. Most of the time we go to the dinner table so that we can eat food. My wife doesn't call everybody, hey, dinner's ready, come on downstairs. The kids have been playing, let's wash your hands, get yourself ready. And the kids walk to the dinner table and go, well, mom, where's the food at? I was playing a game. I was in the mud out back. I was doing something. I was playing. Why are you stopping me from playing to come to eat nothing? But sometimes we as believers in our mind, in the midst of everything that we have, we worry, we worry, we worry. And sometimes Jesus just says, hey, come on. Come and hang out with me for just a little bit. And we have to just be patiently waiting for him to provide that food. We talked a little bit about that last week. Today, another step forward, another kind of action step in that we would have open hands. Again, as we look at this living generous, that our lives would be, uh, that we would live our lives being generous, that we would live our lives with an open heart, an open mind, today open hands, that we would serve, that we would love people, that we would be generous. I'll ask this question, how are you doing when it comes to living a generous life? The very first week I asked the question, how many of you are rich? And I kind of had this. Like, some of you were kind of like, yes. And then others were like, well, do I say that I'm rich or not? And I used the, all of us are rich in Christ. The initial statement being that we are all blessed more than we are ever deserve. And what are we doing with that blessing? Again, it's not just a financial matter. Most of us look at generosity and we look at it in financial terms. Well, that person has a lot of money so they can give a lot of money. That person has a lot of stuff so they can give a lot of stuff. Living generous has nothing to do with how much you give away. Living generous is just simply giving of ourselves and God use me how you can use me in whatever area of life that you can use me in. And so as we get into today, we're looking at, we've had open heart, we've looked at open mind, today open hands. How do we walk around? Do we walk around closed-fisted? Do we walk around, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is my life, these are my things, this is my stuff, my, 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 and we live clenched up, and when people intrude my space, it becomes testy. Because we all have our own personal little bubble, and you better not walk in it, right? We don't like certain places Because too many people are in my space. Or do I live my life not literally walking around with my hands open, but with my hands 
ready, willing, desiring, wanting. God, where you lead me, I will go. God, if you place somebody in my life, I will do my best to be faithful, to share the gospel, to love on that person, to do whatever that it is that I can do to help. God, whatever you have for me, I am open to what that is. How are we doing with being generous? See, as we look at these things, we can go to Scripture and we can, we can take the idea that most of us have with generosity and we can really throw it down the tube in just a couple quick passages of Scripture in, in the, in the, throughout Scripture. One of which, if you take that same thought of generosity, of what I give and all of these things, you go to the very, very, very beginning If we go to Genesis, there was a murder that took place in Genesis. One person gave as he was asked and as he was commanded and he did what he was supposed to do. The other gave of just kind of the abundance. This is all these things that I have and I'm just going to give a little bit of it. God accepted the one and he did not accept the other. There was jealousy, there was murder. If we go to the New Testament, Jesus is teaching on giving and we have the, the widow and the widow's, the widow's might and she comes and she gives her might or what we would look at as her a penny. And Jesus says, be like her. It wasn't because she gave so much, it was because she gave what she had. She was generously living her life, not because she was a wealthy person, but because she had Fallen in love with Christ. And we can go throughout Scripture of so many different things. We can look at the rich man and he asks Jesus, How must I, how can I come? How can I enter into your kingdom? How, what do I have to do? And Jesus says, Hey, take all that you have and sell it. Jesus wasn't. Worried about his stuff. But the man sure was worried about his stuff. I can imagine maybe in the back of that man's mind, he was like, well, what if I just get rid of all of this and I can just keep some of it? That's what we do. I'll give you everything except for this little piece of me. Jesus said, no, get rid of all of it. And so as we continue to go through this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter number 12 this morning, we'll be there again. The heart behind this series is not, though it is a stewardship-driven series, the heart behind this is not finances, it's not any of those things, it's not what you can give or you can't give. It is that my heart would be open, available, ready. God, here I am. Take me. Use me. Whatever capacity that that would be. And in Luke chapter number 12 is where we'll be this morning. I invite you to go with me. Starting in verse number 33 is where we will be. Luke 12, 33. And if you take your copy of God's Word, we'll read this together. Luke 12 and verse 33 says this, sell that you have and give alms, provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. 
And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered the ho- his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Let us pray. Father God, again we thank you for the day that you've given to us. Lord, I thank you for the, the scripture, the passage of scripture that you've enabled me to study over the last few weeks. And Lord, to be able to learn and glean from. God, I pray today that today would be a, a day where we would be challenged to, to live our lives open-handed. To live our lives ready and waiting and serving and giving of ourselves. and Living generously. God, I pray that you would use your words today to pierce and penetrate the hearts of those that are here. Lord, I pray that if there is one that does not know you as Savior this morning, God, maybe it's a young man, a young woman. Maybe it's somebody up in age. Lord, I do not know, but Lord, I pray that as I speak, as your word speaks and penetrates their heart, that you would draw them unto you. God, they may come to you this morning. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Again, we're going to jump into a passage of Scripture here. We're going to continue on. We actually read these the first two verses last week, but it really ties directly into where we are this morning and that we would have open hands. In the start of this passage, it says that they would sell that they have and give alms and, and provide, and it goes through those things. And this morning, I'm not asking you to go home today Put your house up for sale, put your car up for sale, sell all the things that you have, and we're going to start a convent here at Oasis Baptist Church. That is not what is taking place. I highly suggest you don't go to your boss tomorrow and say, my pastor told me to quit my work today and I'm getting rid of everything that I have. Please don't do that. Because I'm not helping you. I don't have the funds to help you after that. But no, when, if we follow this passage of Scripture... Prior to this, going back up into verses 13 and 14 and so on, we see that the parable here, and that the man had had judged that, that he had all of these things, and we talked about it's not about living for the right stuff. Really, this whole passage is speaking that we would live this life with the, the hope of the future in mind. It's not about the things that we accumulate. It's not about what is here on earth. But it's that we would live with tomorrow in mind. Live with heaven in mind. That we would live with or in, so to speak, the right world. Are we living for eternity? 
See, when our focus of life is all about us and all about our things and all about the stuff that we can accumulate, we live with one thing in mind, and that's that I've got to build my resume today on earth. Let me ask you this question. Have you lived and are you living building your earthly resume? Or are you living building an eternal resume? If we go through this passage, there's one thing that lasts. And it's not the things of this world. See, the things that I accumulate do not last. And so as we go through and as we look at today, again, it's not about you taking and selling all that you have. That's not what I'm coming at today. But it's that we would open our hearts, open our minds, and open our hands to what God would have for us. The first point this morning is simply live right. It's live right. As we finished last week talking about not worrying and talking about that being willing to come to the table and just waiting on Christ. And we recognize all of these things. We come to this passage of Scripture where, where He does say to sell all that you have. With the intent again that it is to live for the right world. In the context of which we're speaking. It is that we would live eternally focused. You know, I'm not coming to you and asking you to sell all that you have. But if we really look at this passage of Scripture, and we really want to take it to heart, it's probably not a bad idea to really think through that process. Because in the context of how I'm living, in the context of what I'm doing, in the context of eternally fo- being eternally focused, is it all that bad to process through in our minds getting rid of the things of earth? Is it really that bad? And again, not telling you to sell your house and all of those things. But following the context of this scripture that our heart would be eternally focused and not earthly focused. Paul chose a life of nothing. Paul chose to live a life where he relied solely on Christ as his provider. Paul chose some of those things. There's other men and women that chose some of those things. If we were to go back to the, to the, the days of Scripture, we lived in, we were living, they were living in a different time than today. But even if we come into more of today's journey, we look at men like maybe a George Mueller who chose to live by faith as he started orphanages. And he would bring his kids and they would sit down for dinner or sit down for breakfast and they would pray, God, would you provide? There were times that he had those kids around a table and there was no food. And he would bring them together and he would pray. And just wait for God to provide. You know, none of those kids ever went without. They never had meals without. God provided each and every time 
And I look at and I think of today and I think of the, the areas and the ways in which we live so often t- that we live our lives thinking so much about what we have in the here and now and we forget the realities of we aren't here for we are here but for a moment and we will one day live eternally with him and we have to stop and go wow wait am i living for this world or am i living with eternity in mind and as we get into this passage a little bit further in the next few moments, we will look at this passage of, and it comes and there's a lot of eschatological things and a lot of theological things that we could really dive out of this and take from this, and that's not my intention this morning. However, this passage is that we would be working, that we would be waiting, that we would be living right, knowing that one day He's going to come back and one day we will face that how often we live for today how often i hold on to my possessions how often i i go to work for possessions i go to work for things i go to work for me for me so that we can provide so that we can have more so that we can do better than our fathers gave to us and so on and so forth and we do those things no we're not to do that we are to live right but we are to live right with eternity in mind and if we look at this passage in the very next verse in 34 it says this that for where your treasure is your heart will be also i recognize for some in this room You're freaking out because money is being spoken on in church. And I understand that. This is probably one of the most true (laughs) and realistic scriptures that we can pull out of God's Word for each and every person in this room. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now there's, again, there's multiple scriptures in God's word that we take as reality. But this holds true to any person that walks the face of this green earth. I can take this back to days when I was a child. I was taught from a young age to be respectful of all things. I tried to do that my best. I'm sure there was times where my mom or dad bought me a pair of shoes, bought me a pair of uh, pants, bought me something, and I decided I really didn't care, and I rode on them, and I did something that I was not supposed to do. But I'll never forget one of the very first things that I saved up my own money for and that I purchased and that I was saving for and that I did something for. I saved all my money for Christmas and all my birthday monies, and I did this so that I could buy my very first pair of Nike Air Jordans. I'll never forget being in fourth grade buying my very first pair of Nike Air Jordans. And I'll never forget the last couple years seeing somebody wear those same pair because they've been retroed and they've been came back and they're cool now again. But here's why I use that story. As silly as it might be, There wasn't any other pair of shoes that I really, really cared about looking spotless except for the one pair of shoes that I purchased with my money. See, the shoes that mom and dad bought obviously weren't cool enough because I had to get a cooler pair. I guess. 
In my day, it would have been, I don't know what we had. But anyway, but when I bought it, it mattered to me. Because where my treasure was, my treasure at that time was the Nike Air Jordans that were on my feet. And you better not step on them. You better not scuff them. You better not mess them up. They better sit in the right spot. I kept the box. I I did all of those things. Why? Because that was my treasure at that time in fourth grade. How true that that is today in every other area of my life. Where I invest, I want my heart to be also. I'm not coming at you this morning and having a big tithe challenge, though some of you are freaked out right now. I'm not coming at you at any of those things. But if my focus is to live eternally focused, if my heart, if we go back through this entire passage of Scripture, isn't my stuff, isn't these things, but it's to live right, and it's to live for the right world, being eternity, then the stuff that I put my treasure into, is it worth my life? Is it worth it? Is it worth eternity? Again, is it fine that you have things? Is it fine that I have things? Yes. But when those things rule your world, it's not eternally focused. And so often, our treasure, where my treasure is, listen, men, let me ask you this question. You go to work every single day. Some of you are retired. You went to work every single day for years and years of your life. But you go to work every day. And here's often what that looks like. And I've said this many times. I go to work as a man so that I can provide for my children so that we can have the things. And we can be better today than what I was when I was this age, whatever that is. When I was a kid, we didn't have this. And I want to make sure that my kids always have this. And many times we live our lives, and that's the only thing that matters. Listen, listen, listen. This may offend, and I apologize, but if you're living your life solely so that your kids can have a better life, you're living your life wrong. If you're living your life so that your kids can be the greatest athlete in all the world, you're living your life wrong. If you're living your life so that you can have a better car, if you're living your life so that you can go better places, if you're living your life for those things, you're living for the wrong world because all of those things don't matter. I played sports. We had nice things. My kids do all of that, but I don't live. My world does not surround around my kids making sure that they have a better life than I had. My world and everything that I'm trying to do is teach my kids to know Christ, to love Him, to honor Him, to serve Him, to do those things. Do I do it right every time? No. But I want my kids to understand that this world does not revolve around them nor does this world revolve around their father. Because see, there's going to come a time in my kids' lives where dad can't provide anymore. There's going to come a time in my kids' lives where dad is going to let them down. There's going to come a time in my kids' life when they're going to realize, wow, I'm not as good as I thought I was. There's going to come all of those times, and here's what they're going to realize then. Dad, what can you do for me now? 
and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to, I'm going to cry. I'm going to sit back and I'm going, to, I'm going to desire that my kids would grasp a hold of it, but I can't do anything else. See, there came a time when I moved out of my home and I, though I, I reached back and I tried to gain from my parents, I'm now an adult and I have my own family and all they can do is pray. All they can do is hope and pray that they did what they were supposed to do. That, that I now would live the way that I'm supposed to. Church, as we continue into the next point here, we are called to live right. To live right morally, to live right in giving back to God, but to live right understanding that it's not about here, it's about eternity. That we would live in the right world, so to speak. And all of these things play a piece and a part of that, again, inside of the context. The next piece, as we talk about having open hands, live right leads us right to the next spot, which is to live ready. See, as we're getting these next few verses, it says, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning in verse 35. And in 36 it says, And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open up or open unto him immediately. And see, as we go through this, and the thought being that we would live generously, the thought being that we would have our, op- our hands open, that we would give back, that we would serve an almighty God, that we would do the right thing with eternity at hand, comes right to this place. Because here's what Jesus was saying. There's coming a day and I'm coming back. Are you ready? Hey, as a believer, here's what many times we often do is we live in this my space area. We lived with our hands clenched. We lived with our arms crossed. We lived this life where it's don't mess with me. Instead of saying, God, hey, my neighbor doesn't know the Lord. God, hey, my co-worker, God, my, my relative, God, there's a need over there and I have the ability to help it. God, you've blessed me. How can I bless others? God, I'm, I'm available. I don't know what that looks like. To be real honest, God, it's scary, but I, I'm available. We're called to live right with eternity in hand. But we're called to live ready. This passage says, let your loins be girded about. Here's what that means. Obviously, in those days, they did not wear the same kind of clothes that we wear today. I bet you they never fought in church over if they had a tie on or not. Don't laugh. It's church, please. They wore, the men would wear a long robe. They would wear, basically everybody would. They wore the long garb and and it says to have your loins girt about. Because they were to be ready for anything at any moment. That might be ready to fight. 
That might be ready for when the, the guest comes to the house. That might be ready for whatever it would be, but the only way they would be ready is if they would have their loins, their belt, so to speak, would be wrapped around and they would be s- sucked in tight and they would be ready to go because otherwise it would be flowing and they would be tripping and they would not be prepared to do the things that they were called to do. Let me ask you, and we can put this same thing into our day and age, are we ready to go to battle? Are you ready for when the guest comes back to the house? Here he's talking about a wedding. Their day and age, again, different than our day and age, a typical wedding would happen in the evening, and then what better happen, especially if you had a servant at home, when the son would get married and he would come back to the house, that servant better be at the gate and that servant better be ready for when he came, the gates were open, the bride and the son could walk back in and they would be ready because that young man and his new bride better not be standing outside the gate having to knock for hours waiting to get back in. That's kind of what the topic, the discussion of the wedding at this time was. Why the girding, the loins being girded. They had better be ready. Today, let me ask you, are you ready? Not do you have the belt. Not is it tucked in. We could go, we could play that game. Make sure your belt is there, your pants are tucked up, or pulled up to the waist, not down, walking like, you know. But are we ready? There's nothing worse than walking around and seeing some guy trying to keep his pants up when they're down here. Are we ready? I think sometimes we would we would say, God, don't come back now because... I'm not quite ready yet. Now granted, none of us are perfect and none of us are really ready. But he's telling them that let their loins, their, their belt, their, they would be cinched in, that they would be ready. And he says, and your light's burning. Again, as we look back into these days, into this time, These aren't men and women that were walking around with their cell phones and being able to pull out their flashlight app and being like, hey, I can see everything. They couldn't pull in their back pocket and and grab the flashlight out and their mag light and do all that. No, they didn't have that. They had their lanterns and they had their lamps and they had to be having their oil burning and they had to have it ready and they had to have enough and they had to be prepared for what was coming. So not only were they, their loins were girded and they were, they were cinched up and they were ready because if something happened, they had to be able to move and act. They had to be able to see. They had to be able to, to know that that lamp and the oil was not going to burn out so that they could continue to do what they needed needed to do today let me ask you how is the light burning how is your oil level how prepared are you for the darkness God's word says let your light so shine God's word speaks of a light being up on the hill, the city on a hill. God's word speaks of you and I being the light in the darkness. 
But yet I think so many times I'm just a flicker. I'm not really ready. First, I was in the middle of the darkness. There may be a little blip of light here and there. Am I really ready? Am I cinched up? Is my light shining? Is the oil full? Am I ready to take on what God has put in front of me? Oftentimes we look at this stuff and we look throughout Scripture and we go, I don't fully understand. But as we look at this and understand the wedding and and the return of what it says, that it would be immediately opened, that those servants must be ready, and that how are we? Here's how we are to be ready. And I've got one point and I'm done. Here's how you and I are to be ready. These guys were asked to be ready, basically, in a military form. That that is that they would stand watch. I have never been in military. I know that we have a number of men and women that have served in the military and have done many other things, military or service for our communities in those regards, but... I've never done that. But I can imagine that an entire base in the middle of Afghanistan or wherever they are today, Iraq, I can imagine that an entire base just doesn't shut off its its lights at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or midnight and then come back on at 6 in the morning and everybody just goes to sleep and has has a good time. My assumption is that's not how it works. My assumption would be there's probably stages and there's probably just like many of you go to work at different shifts and there's a group that that their sleep time is maybe at this hour and this sleep time is at this hour but there's always somebody and there's always some kind of a watch taking place. And those men are prepared at all times. Even those men that are asleep are prepared at all times, I would assume. They were at watch. They were on guard. They are waiting and they were working the perimeters and they are knowing what's going on. And this is exactly what this passage of Scripture is speaking of. That they would be on watch. That you and I would be on watch and we are ready. We are ready. See, if God's Word is the light that lights my path, how am I doing? If God's Word is the Word that I've hid in my heart that I might not sin against God, how am I doing? If God's Word is all of those things, if God's Word is the Word of God that is keeping me sharp, it is keeping me, it keeping me ready, it's keeping me on watch, it is keeping me on guard, and it has me ready because I'm loving God's Word, I'm learning God's Word, I'm knowing it, I'm applying it, I'm living right, I'm doing these things. Guess what? I am ready. My hands are open, and as the opportunity arises, I am able to take it. But when God's Word is put up on the shelf... And I'm over here doing my own thing. And world has gotten a hold of me. And and life has gotten a hold of me. And and kids this has gotten a hold of me. And and family this has gotten a hold of me. And work here has gotten a hold of me. And I'm not worried about anything eternally anymore. My life is all messed up. And I'm going, God, I'm not quite ready yet. 
I'm not quite ready yet. And the last point is this, that we would live watchful. In verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that He shall gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. Think about that. Just stop and read that passage of Scripture. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, shall find watching. When the Master comes and He finds them watching, the servants who are watching, the slaves who are watching, He says, I will come unto you. And that He will gird Himself. The Master will then gird Himself. And He will ask the slaves, He will ask the servants, servants, sit down and let Me serve you. As I read that, as I was studying that, as I was going through that, I pray I pray that I'm found watching. And that I'm found ready. And that I'm found prepared. Because one day this says that the master, the servant, the master will take and he'll say, Hey servant, hey slave, why don't you sit down and let me serve you a table? Hey, that stuff doesn't happen. The master doesn't serve the servant or the slave. The slave and the servant serve the master. And the master sits up on a pedestal and the master is up here and the master is treated with excellence and the master is given and the master is served and served and served and served and he says, well, time out. Let me now come down and let me... What did he do? Hey, let me wash those disciples' feet. Hey, let me come over here and let me be the servant of all. We sing these songs, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's something about that name. Be unto your name. And we sing all of these songs, but here's what, here's what so much of this is. And we take this far more uh, prideful and arrogant than we ought to. But he came to serve us. And we take that and we flip that and make that a sick and twisted thing that look at me how he served me. No. No. Because there's coming a day and it said, we sang it earlier, every knee will bow, or it was read earlier, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And when I'm living right, and when I'm doing all that I can to, to live right and to honor God and to serve Him, and I'm living and I'm trying all that I can be to be ready, and I'm studying God's Word and I'm knowing God and I'm trying and I'm working and I'm working and I'm working. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, I'm humbled before you. Look how awesome you are. All of those things that were mentioned. He is the peace. He is the comfort. He is a healer. He is all of the things that were mentioned earlier. Emmanuel, God, with the, we go through all of those things. God, you are all of those things, and I just need you. I want you. I'm living right. I'm living ready. I'm living watching. God, I'm waiting for you. 
Hey, the times in which we live, let me encourage you with this. There's coming a day, really what this is talking about isn't the, the coming of Christ. It's coming, this is speaking of in the tribulation period. These people that, are, that he's speaking of specifically here. You think you're persecuted? The people in the Middle East think they're being persecuted today? We ain't seen anything yet. During the days of tribulation, there's not going to be an American country who's going to go over in the Middle East and try to help the Christians that are being persecuted. There's not going to be another country, there's not going to be another man that's going to go and fight for these people who are proclaiming Jesus Christ and being slaughtered at the masses. It's not going to happen. This is what's being talked about right here. That he's coming back and they've got to be ready and they've got to be watching. Hey, are we ready and are we watching? We haven't seen anything yet. Oh, they're just taking God out of everything. I can't even carry my Bible to work anymore. I'm going to get fired. No, you haven't seen anything. We haven't seen anything. Hey, don't cower. Don't cower to it. Live ready. Live waiting. Live watching. Church today, if we live generously, our hearts are open. Our minds are, are having trust. We are, we are faithful. We are, we are God, it's gonna, I'm, I'm going to worry, but I'm giving it to you. And God, I, I want to live every day with my hands wide open. Because I want to just, I want to ask you, God, to, to use me this week. Hey, let me ask you this question today. When was the last time you said and you meant, God, here I am this week. Send people my way. I want to serve you. God, here I am. I am ready. God, there's people around me that I know need Jesus as Savior. Give me an opportunity today. Give me an opportunity this week. God, there's somebody around me that needs prayer. And I'm not just going to look at them and say, hey, I'm praying for you, but I'm going to grab them by the arm and I'm going to put my arm around them and I'm going to pray for them. God, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be ready for you. I'm going to be waiting and I'm going to be watching. And when you come back, I'm ready for you, God. We can't just sit back anymore. We can't just say, well, God, whatever you have for our church, well, you're going to provide it, whatever that is. God, whatever you have, I'm here. No. God, here I am, and I'm ready. You've provided, and you've provided me. You've provided me with the brain. You've provided me with gifts. You've provided, and God, here I am. Use me today. My hands are open. My heart is open. I am ready. No more of this, God, we're going to pray that somebody can do this. No, I'm here. I can do it. What needs to be done? That's living generous. That's living generous. And church... It's not about the money. 
It's not about it. Nope. It's not about that. It's about your heart and my heart saying, God, I'm standing here. You've placed me here. You've put me in Las Vegas. I hate living in Las Vegas. It's too brown. It's too hot. It's too this. Well, who cares? You're here. What are you going to do about it? God, here I am. I get sick of people telling me how horrible Las Vegas is. I love this place. And until he calls me out, I'm not going nowhere. And while I'm here, I might as well stink and work. That's all of us. That's not just an Aaron Flanagan thing. Some of you I don't like because when it gets 100 degrees, you leave. And you got suckered into coming back and it's still 100 degrees. No, but listen. Are our hands open? I'm not screaming at you. I'm not yelling at you. But are my hands open and ready for God to use me? Here I am. God, where you want me, God, where you'll use me, I'm available for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.